Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome to our chill sesh, uh, which is, if you haven't been to it before, what we do after each arc. It's what we do. If you haven't it's been okay. to this before. If you haven't been to it before. <laughs> did we do one a- be here today. <laughs> did we do one after the first? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, we did? Uh-huh. Yep. I can't even the remember. The third one. This will be our third one. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember because this arc has been so. It's been a really long time. We all have, you guys can't, you all can't see us because it's a, not a visual medium, but we all have um, three foot long white beards yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that we grew Rip Van Winkle style while we recorded this arc. Mm-hmm. Locked in our recording bunker. Uh-huh. <laughs> nothing but beans and MREs. That's what we put in here for ourselves. What are yep. MREs? Meals ready to eat. Oh, <laughs> I was like, the beans part sounds <laughs> accurate. Like, they eat them in the military. They're like dehydrated food packs that mm. you just pour hot water into and stir it up and you got food. Like astronaut food. Uh, they're notorious for tasting bad. Yeah. And uh, soldiers often call them meals ready to expire. You. There's a person on YouTube yep. whose whole thing is he eats really old ones. Yeah. Like World War One. Yeah. Bananas and, and seems like Vietnam. Is that bad for you? Probably, yeah. But Doesn't they're designed like, to be shelf stable. That's uh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he have like a bunker too? Like he's in his bunker recording. We watched it at Patrick and Ariel. Yeah, I don't know the backstory though. Okay. Well, they're making a or have made like vegan uh, dehydrated meals for camping and stuff, which is going to be equally as bad. So, mm-hmm. but vegan. Or for vegan soldiers when you want to kill children but not animals. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I wonder what the crossover of that is. If you are in the military and you are vegan and you kill people. Yeah, hit us up. If you kill people but not animals. We have questions. Yeah, we have questions. We only support our vegan troops. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) That's not true. We don't support them either. Who knows if that will make the cut or not. Um, but yeah, welcome to our chill sesh. Um, I am Megan Stressman. I go by they, them pronouns, and I play Angela Atticus Jr. on Dangerous Times at Chill Haven High. To my left is... We're doing me next? We're doing you. Uh, hello, I'm Philip Stressman. I also, my pronouns are also they, them. I am the keeper of Dangerous Times at Chill Haven High. Uh, as, as well as uh, doing the voices of a lot of the other people, a lot of the other characters, and also uh, I I edit the show. It's me, Bess. <laughs> <laughs> and Bess. to Phil's left. <laughs> yeah, I was like, do you that's like not it? my job. You can segue. Do I have to do every single segue? Too? I'd like to segue. <laughs> I'll do the seg. I like to segue. Just um, don't do it off a cliff. Mm. My name is Bess Lawson. I have she. I have. <laughs> I have a pronoun that I would like him. for you to use. Grabbed me them pronouns out of the wild. I use Fresh she, caught. <laughs> I'm never gonna get this sentence out. I use she/her pronouns, and I play Penny White, and I mumble and get my words backwards a lot. Um, and also, Bess does that as well. And to my left. Hello, I am James Kettler. I use he, him pronouns. I play Zeklin on Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High, for which I am also uh, the sound designer and composer. 
Can I just say, I love recording down here with all of y'all and being all sitting at a table and just being able to look at everybody while they talk. And yeah. It's, not that we couldn't do that at the apartment, but it, you it know, felt weird. It was weird. There's a desk between yeah. us. Yeah. There was a desk between us. One time we recorded on the floor. That was fun. That's true. Yeah. That The energy of that recording session is wonderful. I've been editing my way through it. That's the, uh, the quiet, quiet year, year session. For those of you who don't know, we were sitting on the floor and also uh, quite extremely high. Mm-hmm. I I advise everyone to get high and play the quiet year. Um, I don't know if it will be as silly as ours, but it's as silly as you want it to be. Yeah, and we, we go silly. <laughs> Was that the, we make fun? We make fun. Is the quiet year one that we did? Is that the snake one? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Children fight the they bash the snake eggs. <laughs> Look forward to summer dropping on our Patreon soon. Let the snakes marry the humans. Just just let him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get this joke. Bess was not here for the yeah. quiet year. <laughs> I was in my my hometown. Yeah, but we'll play with you. It's really fun. It's some real real fun times. All right. Um, should we get into some questions? I'd like to get into them. Yes. What yes. do? We, yeah. Yeah. Just jump into right into questions. Yeah, and feel free. At, you know, we this can be. It's very loose. It's a chill sesh. Chill mm-hmm. hang. Chill so, sesh, chill Thank you beautiful. to everyone who sent us in questions. Yeah, thank uh, you. Mm-hmm. That was wonderful and helpful. And thank you for taking the time and mental energy to do that. So, and because we also are doing this um, sticker contest. So a handful of y'all entered your email address and we will do a random drawing for you to receive a Chill Haven sticker. We swear we won't use your email address for anything but that. We don't, we don't have, have that kind of energy. We don't have anything to use it for. Exactly. Yeah, we don't have that energy. <laughs> we hate the spam. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to send you Minions memes I found on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> so I think I'm going to start with a question that probably a lot of people are thinking and two people actually asked. Um our friend Dorka from the Eternity Archives Dorka! on our network. Whoa! <laughs> Good luck at the New Jersey Web Festival. Break a leg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Break everyone's legs there. <laughs> That's how you Claim win. victory. <laughs> um, and also, um, Silver Blaze has asked us. Um, what up, Silver Blaze? Discord stalwart. Yes. Um, so basically both of them wanted to know why this arc so long? <laughs> why? Was this planned to be so much longer? Did it spiral out of control yes. at some point moving forward? Do we think it's going to be this long? Um, why was there also just a change in the arc in general? Like we didn't do, um, like, after credit scenes, we didn't do like previously on Dangerous Sense Jill Haven High, so we definitely did change it up a little bit. We had at least one after credit scene this season. Yeah. yeah. The I think the Zeeks. The Zeeks and Heck in the back of Angela's car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll address the I'll address that, the after credit scene and the previously on thing first, because that's kind of a separate question from the length of the arc. Yeah. Uh so we used to do previously on uh, Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High, uh, where I would cut together clips from not just the last episode, but also any number of episodes that the plot may have made reference to from from a past uh, past episode, and cut that up and edit it together at the beginning of every episode. 
and I hated it. I hated doing <laughs> it so much. It was such a fucking pain in the ass. It sounds good, but it was uh it was like my least favorite aspect of editing the podcast. And then I had an epiphany one day and I realized the only person forcing me to do this is me. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to not do it anymore. Can you grab? I'm gonna go make that. With respect to uh the post credits like stinger things um those just happen when they come up if there's something that feels like the like a big cliffhanger and it's like the end of the episode i'll make that where the music comes in but if then there's a little bit of something light or funny after that i'll put that in at the end of the uh after the credits um and that's it it's just it's not like a conscious decision to do them or not do them. It's just how it sounds to me when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm doing the edit. Yeah, and then do you want to speak to I guess the the length? Yeah, the the so the this was a a little bit more than twice as long as <laughs> each of our previous monster arcs. I think the biggest answer to that, honestly, is uh, as to why it ended up being longer, was um, so in Monster of the Week. How that game is structured is you have a monster of the week uh, that your the hunters have to investigate, uh, find out a weakness to, and then dispatch uh, using that weakness. Um, in the supplemental book to Monster of the Week, uh, Tome of Mysteries, um, th- uh, phenomenon-based mysteries were introduced, which is not a monster, it's a phenomenon. So it's like, oh, there's a fog that turns everybody's butts inside out. Ooh. Freaking fog. um, Something like that. And uh, so this arc, Prospect Quandary, was a phenomenon mystery. And I think just kind of by definition, a phenomenon is a little bit less concrete than finding one specific monster in internet. You're finding a, an area of effect that may even, as it did in this case, create monsters that you also have to deal with yep. and solve that. Um, there's another thing in Monster of the Week that is a concept of big magic, uh, where because the magic in this game is fairly loose, right? Like you just sort of say something magical and it's a used magic with uh, from which you pick kind of concrete effects. Um, Big magic is like it requires a lot more effort. It's it's more um, involved, like season ender. Like everyone in Buffy has to hold hands and do the big spell. <laughs> we uh, it needs components and time and people and all this stuff. So the weakness for this phenomenon for the Prospect Quandary uh, was a big magic. So all that stuff together just. Uh, laid on a, a lot more investigative difficulty for the hunters as well as just a lot more requirements for them to end it. And then the last thing I'll say is that um, there's also just as the story has been going on, as we've been spending more time in this world, we're developing more running plot lines mm-hmm. with each of the different characters. We have more relationships. That leads to more scenes between more different people. Um, so we're the show is just pulled in a lot more different directions now, which is totally fucking normal. It's it's mm-hmm. you know you see that on any TV show, um, like dramatic serialized TV show, you know. Um, so that just uh, pads things out a bit more. Uh, I was talking with um, Aaron, who GMs Super Idols, which is also on our network, and um, also, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm speaking for everybody, but like 
yeah, we're making a show, but we're also doing this for us too. Yeah, yep. like we don't plan yep. out like how much we're gonna get accomplished because sometimes we're a bunch of ding dongs and all we do is like <laughs> yell at each other for an hour or go on side missions. Sometimes yeah. we have a whole bunch of bad roles in one episode and we <laughs> and get fucking so nowhere yeah. and create a whole bunch of new obstacles for ourselves. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just want to go to a fun dance with our significant other and just have a good time, but we can't because monsters. So we try to find time to do both. <laughs> yeah, we don't have it's a, a it's a healthy balance. We don't have a chart on the wall for like okay this episode. That like we're gonna hit this plot beat and then this plot beat and then this plot beat like yeah it's the, the dice are in charge baby they mm-hmm. hate me which that's a good segue to so Elliot um, asked us a handful of questions but um, Elliot asked how much of the plot do the players know in advance does this change based on arc versus meta plot Mm-mm. it's all improvised yeah we don't, I don't know, know nothing anything. no I mean it's fair to say we know. Some in certain cases, but only ever as the result of our decisions. As far as like the monster we're fighting or the phenomenon or anything, like we don't know anything up front. No. I, I will say that there's, and I think there's questions that deal with this more specifically. There's definitely stuff that we talk about, like very vaguely uh, of character stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because this is Monster of the Week, it's powered by the Apocalypse game. Y'all are in charge of. Your character, uh, everything that's true about your character is up to you. And you're, we're also all building this world together. Mm-hmm. Um, we have equal responsibility in that. So so conversations do happen, like, uh, with everything that happened with Angela. Um, I don't know if you want to, because there was a question about that specifically. Oh, right? yeah. So Malls asked um, us each a question, but uh, me, Angela, um, asked about how, so Angela went through a lot of changes this season, season, <laughs> this season, how much of them were planned and how much were spontaneous. Do you miss the quote unquote old Angela? So I knew, like I talked to Phil about changing my hunter type because that's a advanced move that you can make. And so- Yeah, you can change your, your hunter archetype, your hunter playbook, mm-hmm. basically like, Almost like multi-classing in D&D, yeah. um, but a little bit more substantial. You end up mm-hmm. kind of scooping out a lot of elements that don't make sense anymore and leaving some and then jamming in the new elements from the new playbook. Yeah. So I was a mundane, and then I switched to the summoned. So um, I did have to talk to Phil about that in advance, obviously. And then I told Phil that I didn't want my parents anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I created my character, my new Angela, and said, I don't want want parents anymore. And then that's how Angela's arc was created. But you didn't even know how you weren't going to have your parents. Like even in the moment when Phil was like, and the vines are connected to you and also them, you were like, Am I supposed to know what that means? I don't like, know what that means. Like, you, I was, I was, like we, we yeah. don't know anything. I was getting so frustrated when we were fil- filming the scene, when we were doing the scene, because I was like, I don't understand. I don't get it. Like, are they, I don't understand. So yeah, we I we don't really plan anything. So we don't even talk about the show. I mean, we live together and we don't even sit and like, I aggressively avoid knowing anything about what you two are planning or doing because I don't want to know until we're here in the booth doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and having plans is a fool's errand in TTRPGs. It like, doesn't work. Yeah. It, doesn't, it just, doesn't yeah, work. It's, you, again, it's collaborative storytelling. So there's really only like a one in a, one in four at best chance that anything one of us has planned is going to happen. And even that's contingent on the dice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Don't plan because mm-hmm. it won't go the way you wanted it. 
Um, I plan at most like five minutes ahead. Yeah, oh, not even <laughs> when we're playing this game. There's sometimes that I'll like text Bess. <laughs> we'll like text each other and we'll like look at each other and mm-hmm. we'll be like, okay, because like we both are magic, so we could collab on some things and then like Zeke completely fucking derails it. Yeah. Or like something happens and like we just can't fulfill what we literally just maybe planned out ten seconds before. But um Kathleen from Sword of Symphonies, which is also on our network. Big gay roll dice. Yeah. Um asked if you had to use another game system to do the show, what would you choose? Mm. Could you? That's something that we've chatted about. Elegance and excess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only. We should play that again, actually. Um, yeah, we have to, because that was really fun. I will say, uh, yes, we could. Um, I would say that not in the next arc, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, but uh, in subsequent arcs, maybe as soon as the arc after the next arc, I would say that there is a better than even chance that we will be using a different play uh, game. I, I've been looking at Monster Hearts a lot, which is another Powered by the Apocalypse game. But, uh, that, I mean, that'd have to be something that we would all talk about. But yeah, I think that uh, there's there are aspects of our story that are sort of baked into Monster of the Week, like obviously Angela's Summoned, which is a handbook that comes with like you are summoned to bring about the apocalypse. So like that's mm-hmm. driving a lot of that story. And for Penny, mm-hmm. you know, like being a spooky, a lot of that is driving your story. I mean, it basically our world is as sci-fi as it is because James is playing an action scientist yeah. in the yeah. playbook. Like, um, but now that we've got the ball rolling, I don't think there's any reason we can't. Uh, I think that we've got a world. We've we've crafted a world here that there's a lot of different stories that we can tell within it. Mm-hmm. Maybe even in one-offs and stuff with like different games, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in addition to our to our main story, so yeah, for sure. I think it. I think it will almost certainly happen in the future. I love Monster of the Week, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's pretty easy to play. Um. um, um, um oh. I like this question. This is just a fun one to answer. Allison asked, what book series, if any, were y'all obsessed with when you were around 11, 13? Ooh, um, series of unfortunate events. Yes. Hell I yes. read them all like 10 times. Yeah. I think I fell off after like book 11 because I know I never read the ending. Yeah. I don't think I did either. I owned all I of them and I don't know where they it. are now. Mom, if you're out there, mail them to me. Janet. <laughs> <laughs> we need them. Trying to think what else. Goosebumps, baby. Yeah, Goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. Goosebumps. Uh, also, pr- around that age, when I got into middle school, my middle school library had a ton of the Fear Street novels. Which, I never read those. If you've only seen the wonderful trilogy of movies on Netflix, Fear Street is R.L. Stein's mm-hmm. other horror series for slightly older children than Goosebumps. I read a ton of those. Yeah. Then Bailey School Kid books. Yeah, I've read those. I did read Twilight and I'd do it again. Mm hmm. <laughs> No regrets. No No regrets. I didn't read Twilight till high school. Yeah, same until I was 18. I think junior high, so maybe a little older. 13, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, 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 definitely. Sorry. Rip. (sighs) Animorphs? Yeah. My brother had animorphs. Those freaking yerks, man. No, thank you. Uh, Those books are dark. Yeah. 
I don't know when Captain Underpants came out. <gasps> yes, but Captain that Underpants. might have been a little younger, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Right. I was I trying to tell the James there's book. a um, series called The Zach Files, and if anyone out there read them, I need to know because no one in this house read them. Which y'all? I feel like I've heard of it though. It. I mean, it's like a father son science ghost duo. So I felt like James would have. I mean, you probably would have that liked sounds them back up then. My alley. They're yeah. both ghosts. No, they they just like <laughs> interact with them. Like oh, they're okay. sciencey people. They're like Ghostbusters. Kinda, yeah, I don't know if they bust them. <laughs> I don't know. I have to revisit. They're not fucking ghost Buster. narcs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I read them a lot. I wish oh. I could remember more details. Yeah, look it up because like this sounds so familiar. But I feel like they made a movie also. I feel like they yeah. Or TV I just typed right? in Zach Foles. Zach Foles. Oh, they made a TV show in yeah. 2000. On yeah. Nickelodeon. Oh, with our Degrassi babies. Really? Yeah. All uh, of them? J- All of mm-hmm. them. Every single one. Drake? Jake Epstein is in it. and Jeffrey Epstein? Jake Epstein. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen this. Probably. What's but like- the, all the covers um, look like this. Oh, wow. And so the like art is pretty specific. Like, yeah, I distinctly remember. And then all the titles are like... The, the Zach Files, my son, the time traveler, and they're all just like goofy. They're like pretty small, so probably like 10. I feel like I've seen this. I have seen this. I remember. I remember this because, yeah, Sean's in it. Is that Sean? There's something about a like litter box for one of the books. There's a girl there at boarding school, right? I think you're, I think maybe. There's a, I remember this chick in here too. Yeah, this is a good cast photo. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. That one person wow, looks like Vesper, but not bald, but got <laughs> Vesper energy, you know? The one the glasses. Like, behind the banister. Yeah. Getting, glaring. Yeah, yeah. Glaring at the camera. Glaring in glasses. Yeah. That's Vesper and Philip Stressman. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen this before. I also want to give a shout out to the works of Louis Sachar. Sachar. He wrote the Wayside School oh, books, mm-hmm. and he wrote Holes. We love All-time holes classic in this house. Holes. A cab. I feel like a cab. I feel like I think Holes is the only Disney movie we've it's collectively good. shown to Phil that Phil said, "Yeah, that was pretty good." When yeah. it was done, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good movie. Pretty good movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't like Hercules. Did not like Hercules. It's a good one too. It's so pretty to look at. I didn't like it. Oh, uh, Lizzie McGuire movie. How you like? Oh yeah, that was a good movie. Like yeah. I did like that. It's one. a fun time. Ooh, yeah, that Song was a solid flick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. I wouldn't like. Uh, I'm not going to go out and buy the Criterion Collection Blu-ray of it. That's fine, I will. Yeah. But if it was on cable, you might you might turn it on if there was nothing better on. Speaking of me being pretentious, yeah. uh, I feel like when I was 11 to 13, I was reading grown-up books. Oh, I was um, reading Gossip Girl, and that's pretty grown-up. So I'm a bit old for Twilight, but I absolutely read all of the Anne Rice vampire books mm. uh, when I was that age, as well as the Brian Lumley Necroscope series, which I was obsessed with. Uh, which is about a guy who's a necroscope, so he can talk to dead people. He has to go to their graves where they are on the ground, and like he talks to them <laughs> through the <laughs> ground. And he fights vampires, and in those books, vampires are alien leeches that are parasitic and get into people's bodies. Oh, and turn just them animorphs. Into vampires. It, yeah, it sort of is. Yeah, That's exactly. Just animorphs. <laughs> I read this like wolf series too that I couldn't really remember that many details about, but the covers I remember distinctly because they all have like trees and vines. But there's three of them, and it's all about. I think werewolves and uh, the first one is called Shiver and the second one is called Linger and the third one is called Forever. And I wish I could remember Ooh. more details about them. I remember them being steamy, but also as a child, you could hold hands and I would have been like, wow. Ooh. So who's to say? There's just so many good young adults. Any of y'all ever read uh, that, them books with the cats that fight people? You know what I'm talking about? What? Warriors. 
There, it's like a series of young adult novels. There's, I think, like thirty of them. They're about cat warrior cats. They all had pictures of cats <gasps> on the cover. I remember These seeing them familiar. in the hands of every single femme presenting person at my <laughs> middle school. Cover. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow, that's something. Yeah, that's them. It's an interesting I didn't cover. Read that, I, I didn't read them either. I just remember seeing them everywhere. Oh. Uh, a book series that was out when I was that age that I did not read until about three years ago that I really enjoy is the Percy Jackson series. Mm, I, I would really recommend. Says I, never that. Read I would those. recommend Percy Jackson to anybody. I need uh, to read no gay that. stuff, unfortunately, because it came out like 15, 20 years ago, but uh, <sighs> still pretty freaking good. Don't like it when for a young adult thing. series. Um, All right, should we? Yeah, sorry, I can talk about enough this talking forever. about books yeah. for children. Yeah, sorry. Oh, uh, I just... Late 90s to early 2000s. <laughs> it's just really fun. <laughs> just real quick, I, it's comic books. All of the comic books. Comic oh, yeah. Books. All of the yep. Spider-Man and X-Men in particular at Why that the age. Why the Last Man. Yeah, but all of the comic books. All right. This is, oh, just a, a quick little treat for us. I love those. Bappy. Hi, Bappy. Hi, Bappy. Hi, Bappy. <laughs> also of the Eternity Archives. Yes. Has said, hi, I haven't caught up and finished season three yet, but I wanted to say that I love y'all and I wanted to know if you're having a good day. Oh, my God. We're having a great day, having I think. a great day. Collectively. Yeah, I'm collectively. I'm broth today. Broth day is always a treat for me. I started some um, collard green stems to a pickling. So Hell if yeah. I'm making broth and I'm pickling and I went to the farmer's market today, mm. I've had a lovely day. Yeah, I got out of bed up. and I didn't even get back in it. And so <laughs> yep. that's a party. That's a positive. Yeah, and your bed is comfortable. It's so comfy. Anyone is welcome to come and sit on it. May did get into your bed today. Yeah, yeah I, I know. I told you. I'm going to wake up <laughs> really and May's going to be like snuggled in the middle. <laughs> hey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, they have, a, they have a comfy bed. Okay. Um. Next. Gideon has asked, how and why did you create such a diabolical body horror monsters? Uh, Body horror (laughs) is one of the things that makes me cringe and shiver in fear. So this particular arc is by far the scariest monster of the week content I've ever listened to. That was my goal. (laughs) That was exactly my goal. I answered your own question, Gideon. (laughs) I want to keep pushing this show because I love horror. And the rest of us uh, like horror as well. Watch it. Uh, I we read watch hor- it. nothing but horror. I, we watch nothing but horror. If May and I are watching a horror. movie together, it's horror. Same. Same. Yeah. That's mostly or my fault. It's either yeah. horror or it's a documentary about something Horrible. in the real On world YouTube. that's horrific. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's horror. Um, so, yeah, that uh, that really tickles me to hear because I wa- our, the show is never going to be pure horror because there's always going to be an element of comedy that's just a byproduct of us goobering around interacting with each other um so i feel like that gives me license to push the the content and the monsters and stuff as far into horror as i can because i know there's always going to be sort of a natural stop uh to to how gnarly it gets um but so in terms of inspiration for the body horror i'm gonna i'll just rife like rattle off real quick i watched a bunch of movies uh, right before we recorded this arc, deliberately as inspiration for this arc. Um, these movies that, that I love, but I just wanted to like put all their imagery into my brain at one time. So um, uh, Event Horizon and Annihilation are probably the two biggest direct influences on this arc. <laughs> what? 
it's just a really, in my opinion, wide disparity in quality and pedigree behind those two. Films. Those are both. They're both equally awesome. Mm-hmm. They're the the broad they are both genre. Equally awesome. I would agree with that. Yes. The broad genre is either someone go to space or space come to someone, touch someone, and then they get nasty. They mm-hmm. get nasty. So yeah. you touch space and it make you nasty. Either by you going to space or space coming to you. Annihilation, space come to you, make you nasty. In Event Horizon, you go to space. Make you nasty. nasty. Mm -hmm. The Thing is also a movie I would put in that Mm -hmm. genre. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Void um, Mm -hmm. also. Very good. All nasties. Yes. Um, I think those are the those are the big ones. The the specific monsters, the millipede in in particular, was uh, heavily influenced by a story by Junji Ito called The Descendants. There's a lot of Ito in this arc. I love Ito. And then also the Time Slugs from The Invisibles by Grant Morrison, which is... uh, Possibly my favorite work of fiction ever, period, in any genre or medium. Uh, the witch head machines are just explicitly a thing from the Invisibles. There's uh-huh. a machine that the head of John the Baptist is hooked up to that makes it deliver prophecies. And I was just like, oh, that's just in our world now. Mm-hmm. That's just here. Um, Slide that in. Build a second one. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, so, yeah, that that is – and just, I mean – watching Stuart Gordon and uh, uh, Cronenberg and all that stuff. All them nasties. Yeah. Um, sweet. Well, thank you. Um, hey, thank you. Hey, thank you. Gideon, thank you. Thank you, Gideon. Gideon's a powerful name. Yeah, it, it mm-hmm. really is. It's a good name. So, <laughs> I like this question too. Cortez has asked, are the folks who died going to be grieved? What is the town's reaction? And most importantly, what do the local real housewives think? Uh, they're oblivious. Yes, exactly. They're, they're rich. Yes. It's they, the same as like rich people here. They, they don't know what's going on. Exactly. Un, un, <laughs> well, yeah. Housewives live in Sambuca. Bucha. One of them's Bucha. one of them's gonna fly to Chillhaven. They're gonna see the scar on the news, and one of them's gonna like Bethany Frankel fly yeah. to Chillhaven to <laughs> like do charity for people whose houses have been destroyed. <laughs> and one's like Ramona, who's scared of uh, people doing crazy things outside, so she's locked herself in her house <laughs> for safety. But like, no one gives a shit oh, about yeah. her. Oh yeah, you got twenty arms, huh? Can I give you a pack of raisins? <laughs> <laughs> but someone will mourn them. Yeah, I'm. So, a- go ahead. Maybe Meredith. Warned him M- to stay no. inside. I mean, m- maybe publicly she mourned them while the cameras were. Oh, yeah. mourned. mourned! I thought you said yeah. warned. No. Um, you had a good answer earlier for this. Yeah, I mean, it was a dick answer. <laughs> it really was. Ooh, I love it. It was just like, we'll let their families do it. I mean, I feel like <laughs> we just we need like to see listen. It our happen. arc is long, right? It, we, it's long. We couldn't. We're working on all of our relationships. We truly did know most of these people, even though I said Cliff was our best friend like twenty five times. <laughs> but we didn't actually know them, and that still sucks. I'm sure the school had like a group vigil. Um, well, we weren't there. We weren't there. <laughs> no, we don't go yeah. to school. So, <laughs> but Flo, we've yeah, we've mourned Flo for sure. I mean, we're not happy that anyone was hurt. No, except there was for, like a student. Yeah, yeah, like it's not. It's sad. It is, but sad. it's like in Buffy. It's like so much goes wrong. You have to like pick and choose what you focus on. Yeah, yeah. the principal who got eaten by hyenas never got a funeral. They <laughs> yeah. just made jokes about him after the new principal. You gotta came learn out. to laugh about it. Yeah, and that. <laughs> Live, laugh, can't love, laugh through it. Yourself. Yes. Oh! <laughs> How can well, I live, laugh, love under these conditions? You can't. May, you, you can't. pointed out the Vampire Diaries, it's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, exactly. You just move past it. You're just like, 
Darn. Well, Bess and I were talking about this too. Like in a world where anybody can be a ghost at any time, like is death really as meaningful? The final. Yep. It's not exactly. It's, right. Like when you can, I mean, that's what everybody says about comic books, right? When it's so easy to come back, like death doesn't mean anything. But like, I feel like we're, we take that and we're like, yeah, it doesn't super mean anything. That's, More ghost friends, please. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. I think that it's just not as final. I will here. say, unless you explicitly see someone go to heaven or hell, which means they cannot be a ghost. If you, if I ever describe a character's spirit ascending into God's beautiful kingdom uh, or tumbling down the escalator into hell, that means they are not going to be a ghost. Be an escalator, like a broken escalator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stairs. Going up. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's an escalator going up, but you fall down it. So it takes forever. And then a mall That's one limbo. Time. Um, is while you're falling down the elevator and then you get forever and ever and ever yeah well as far as like the town's reaction I mean like yeah they probably held a visual or something but I think that this is something that's just so normal well like the town like in it it's like everyone's like you see these posters of all these bad things happening but like everyone's bebopping around like (laughs) letting their kids play in the sewers and (laughs) like make friends with clowns under the bleachers it's like you can only do so much and live laugh yeah yeah. in the book at least and I guess it's kind of implied in the movie but not really but in the book, that's like an explicit effect of well, I'm it so and Pennywise is like like while you're in. Da- that's why in the second movie they all like forget all the horrible shit that happened to them once they leave town because mm-hmm. like being in Derry does bad shit to your brain. And one of the things that it does is it makes the adults all terrible and apathetic and yeah. like not care about all these kids going missing. That's like a metaphor for something in real life, right? Yeah. Then uh-huh. I'm gonna say what I said. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that p- the p- Pennywise and it is probably at. It's medicine. Good morning. Uh, a metaphor for like small town prejudice and hate and uh, discrimination. And that's why like Pennywise comes back every 30 years or so. It's mm-hmm. mimicking the cycle of progress and uh, reaction and uh, walking back of progress that happens in real life. Yeah. Well, Pennywise, pound foolish. Pretty, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, let's have Pretty James talk some more <laughs> and I'm going to ask him some other questions. Okay. Directly. Real quick. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Penny White's named after Pennywise, right? I, and Carrie I wish, White. Yeah, so Carrie White makes a lot of sense. We actually like have a question, so let's just oh. lean into that then. That's kind of about this. And I know we oh, kind okay. of talked about this in the first chill sesh, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's worth repeating. Um, but uh, Jordan had asked us, were there other shows, TV, web, actual play that inspired the series or characters? Oh, yeah. Tons. We talked about it a little bit. But, but I would I say, we like, definitely. we talked about definitely. this in the first chill sesh, yeah. but we can, we can do it again. Yeah, yeah. but I would say, like, yeah, just name some, like, characters. and. Well, you have a new answer be- for oh, Angela's yeah. kind of transformation. Yeah, well, you know? we're on Penny right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but um, Carrie White, I feel like there's some pretty, like, uh, Obvious parallels just in like behavior, big bug eyes, yeah. Um, (laughs) powers she doesn't understand, uh, bad things happening to other people, she doesn't mean for it to happen, but it does anyway, like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I really just picked, I think Pennywise is so cute. I think we had just watched it for the millionth time. He's so time. cute. I Bess get why all the kids. I love the modern it movies. We watch them all the time. (laughs) He's so cute. That's all. That's it. I don't have any better answer. I mean, he's spooky. I'm spooky. I'm a spooky. Yeah, you are a spooky. Do you feel like, because uh, I feel like the spooky archetype is draws a lot from uh, Carrie White and mm-hmm. like Firestarter. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any other behind, not the name obviously is from Penny, mm-hmm. partly from Pennywise, but any other 
characters that like you're drawing the character from? Well, I kind of used um, Willow a little bit as well from mm-hmm. Buffy mm-hmm. Um, because she kind of starts as like the shy, just kind of like don't spoil side. I'm on season five. Oh, but I'm I not going to also... spoil any specifics, but she's just kind of that character who like becomes very confident in herself and what she can do. Um, like doesn't second guess herself, which is what I want for Penny as well. Um, I feel like there was someone else. Um, maybe like a little Bonnie. I don't know. Not really. We but talked I, about the. I we Bonnie. talked about Eleven from Stranger Things. Oh at yeah, one point. Eleven. I feel like that's a pretty big. Which yeah, I mean, Eleven is child. also pulling from those same tropes of sure. like Carrie and Drew mm-hmm. Barrymore from Firestarter. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Firestarter I either. That's when she was like real little, right? Mm-hmm. You haven't seen that either. What about you, James? Uh, I think I've said this before, but Zeke to me is almost a hundred percent. Dib from Invader Zim. Um, <laughs> Unbearable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, not wrong. Like, like, but no. Shut s- up. Yeah, yeah, but shut the fuck up about it. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of Dean Venture in there, too, right? Yeah. I would, there's a lot of both the Venture brothers. Yeah. yeah. I think he's got some very Hank like tendencies, too. Yeah, one, time I, one time I, dre- I jumped off my roof dressed as Batman. At least I think I did. Maybe I dreamt it. <laughs> the Adventure Bros is definitely an inspiration for our show, too. It's a huge inspiration on the show. Yeah, yeah huge, Absolutely. huge. And also, Adventure Brothers is just comic books, and so is our show to a certain yeah. extent. Like mm-hmm. That's always going to be a big inspiration. But yeah, Zeke is just dib, and Jeff, to a large degree, is Professor Membrane also. Mm-hmm. Quiet, son. I'm making... Toast. That reminds me of the dad from Danny Phantom, also. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I haven't seen that show. Me neither. It's a pretty good show. Um, I just thought it was cute. Mm -hmm. Talk about Angela. Mm -hmm. Who's the new? Because well, so when Angela was a mundane, I know you said like Cordelia Chase was a big Cordelia. Yeah, Cordelia from Buffy. And but what's uh, influencing? Oh, sorry. Well, I feel like Angela mm, is not as nice as Caroline, but I really like. Caroline and Vampire mm-hmm. Diaries, but when she was like mean before she got turned into a vampire, like Angela was trying to be like that mean girl, but she's definitely a lot nicer now, or at least nicer to her immediate friends. Yeah, she's a bit, I would say, protective. Protective, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. defensive. Yeah, totally. Um, but her turning into the summoned Hellboy is kind of like a model of like the path that she probably is going to be on. So that's an influence, but. Was there someone else that we talked about? I don't know. I was, uh, for me, I, for me, um, Hellboy and the BPRD spinoff comics are a huge influence behind this kind of world. Actually, Penny, uh, Liz from the BPRD, from Hellboy and BPRD, is another Firestarter character mm-hmm. who uh, is a touchstone for me for for Penny. Um, and the summoned. Uh, playbook is explicitly like drawn from Hellboy like it's based on Hellboy I think for me with Angela I like the other sort of avatars of the green from comics like Man-Thing and Swamp-Thing definitely contribute to how I think about Angela and like where her powers come from because you wanted her to be a very like nature fae kind of thing right yeah and I like playing this new Angela because I actually felt like Playing a mundane was harder than I thought it was. I have no like acting experience at all whatsoever and or improv. I don't really have a lot of experience with it. So playing mundane was hard. It was like you have to be a human, but also be interesting. But it's hard to stand out when you have like characters that are really compelling. And so 
I just wanted to be something different. And also, I just love the Vampire Diaries so much, and I wanted to fuck shit up like they do. So I was like, I can't do that being a human. So That's a huge aspect of these stories, too, right? Is Like Vampire Diaries, like everyone's going to become something mm-hmm. unless you're like, you know, Matt, Matt. right? Well, he became a cop. <laughs> the worst of them the worst all. Kind of the worst kind of The worst monster. monster. Yeah. Um, so that, I think that's a natural kind of way to very literally have your character change or evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just easier to play a monster. Oh, I was also going to say the, the mundane's hard mechanically too because you sort of have to think on a meta level as a player because so many of the moves are designed around doing the wrong thing in order to get the benefit that you want like charging into danger like not planning like and that's fun for like a one-off but like we're trying to make a podcast here and I'm trying not to die trying to make a podcast here (laughs) but um I I I am so cautious with what I do with Angela especially when she was a human because we can die that Mm -hmm. is a thing that can't happen and so we have to be cautious about what we do with our bodies come close a couple of times yeah and like first episode yeah yeah and that's the thing is I learned my lesson I think from that which um that's other a really funny thing someone asked about our first um episode which um Oh, I'll say, sorry, just real no, quick, I'm just to finish up the influences thing. Uh, flow for me is very much, going back to uh, comic books and Swamp Thing, is John Constantine. John Constantine is a m- massive influence. Um, Bart White is very much uh, Fred Andrews from the Riverdale TV show. <laughs> Bess and I have also been watching Glee and drawing a lot of parallels. I know, I know, Bart, I know. Bart White and Bert Hummel. Yes. So Bart, yeah, he's yes. just a, he's so <laughs> sweet. He's very. I don't sweet. know why I'm rewatching it, but we turned it on and we couldn't turn it off. And I hate you all for it. I know, and and May has to hear it from downstairs, and sometimes we do sing along. And... Our... The singing is fine. When... I love the singing from y'all. <laughs> <laughs> when Mom was here last, she because the first day we set up our record player, we played records that night, and then we didn't play records any day after that. But we were watching a ton of Glee, and the last time. Mom left. She said, uh, "You guys have been rocking out with some really good music." <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Oh, <laughs> you should try to introduce her to that show to watch." Glee. Uh, yeah, I think she'd hate it. I, she doesn't like teen shows. Okay, I'm gonna. We're gonna talk. I'm gonna ask two questions that are kind of like back to back. They're both from Elliot. Um, these are just like really good questions. Um, so for the players, how was the show pitched to you? Do you have any reservations that you had to work through before agreeing to be on it? Um, but I also want to tag that with um, if you could go back and give yourself any one sentence of advice before recording the first episode, what would it be? So mm. talk quieter. <laughs> Mine's the opposite. <laughs> talk louder. Yeah. Was it hard at all to like get into your characters or because for me that I literally would. This is don't do this, but I would drink some alcohol before, and I feel like I had to drink a little bit to like get comfortable, loosen the nerves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I don't have to do anymore. Liquid courage. Yeah, but I did that for the whole first arc. So, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I've, I've said this before. I I largely play myself on yeah. this show, or an yeah. in, in exaggerated version of myself. I feel like we all kind of did well, not yeah. necessarily exaggerated, but just a very specific side of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's almost like more nerve wracking. It's like 
it's a lot harder to be yourself in front of a lot of people than it is to like read the words of a character that someone else wrote for you. Because if it sounds bad, yeah. you'd be like, that guy wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> if someone criticizes me, I'm like, that's personal. Yeah. It's not so yeah, criticize yeah, yeah. us. I love when I'm at a play and the <laughs> lines are really bad and the actor on stage goes, that guy wrote it. I'm pretty sure Patty Lapone's done that a few times. And then the spotlight swerves over to the writer who's standing <laughs> Always behind there. us. Pencil Every behind night. his ear, two cigarettes like at their stomach. <laughs> so sweaty, loose pages just dropping from his arms. But it helps that we're so comfortable with each other and so close. Like we give each other so much shit, and I th- that's like the best part of it. Yeah, it's like it's easy to be serious, but when you can like take these horrible things that are happening and make them funny, that's what's like realistic about it. Yeah, well, and I think we're all self-deprecating enough to know that yes. th- these versions, <laughs> yes. these versions of ourselves that we're playing, aren't like. Oh, this is me at my absolute best and coolest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I, was I think we all that. know we're playing a bunch of ding dongs. Yeah. yeah. When I'm playing Saber, that's me at my absolute best and coolest. That's oh, yeah. True. Saber mm-hmm. is cool. Saber is very so. cool. Saber is really cool. That's mm-hmm. why she d- sometimes doesn't have as many lines because it's way easier to be a <laughs> ding dong <laughs> than it is to be like cool. Cool. It's true. Um, so, as far as like how the show is pitched, to you, so we're all related. So um, we, we all pitched kn- the show to each other. Yeah, I think it was so, like via text message. Yeah, we yeah. talked about this. Um, well, James, Phil, and myself have had previous podcasts together, um, and then Phil and James have had podcasts together. So the mm. three of us were already podcasting, and then um, when to the pan- no one, to no one, and then the pandemic hit, and um, we started recording. Probably in like April or May. I think my pitch was uh, improvised Riverdale. Yeah, was specifically the pitch yeah. mm-hmm. for for the kind of show that I thought would be fun for us to do. And we all really like that teen drama stuff. Um, TVD baby. Yeah, so CW esque stuff, Buffy. So the really, Arrowverse. Yeah, it was really easy for us, I think, to get excited about it. Um, we just had to take a long pause. Um, because of everything happening last summer, just the wildness of the world. So um, we did start it, and then we stopped for a while. Yeah. And didn't even release until November. So, uh, Bess, what about for you? Because you've never been on a podcast before. Yeah. Have you? Um, no, I never had. But I don't know. I guess I was a pretty easy sell on it. I just like needed uh-huh. something to do, and it <laughs> sounded fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you like game? I like game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a challenge. Like, I've never considered myself to be very strong at improv because I second guess everything that I do, but it's been a like really fun to not have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I still worry about it, but it's kind of like an escape, though. I feel yeah. like playing, like, we'll have really stressful days or weeks and stuff, and I feel like this is like our two hours where we can just like mm-hmm. not exist and. The United States yeah. <laughs> in 2021. So. What up, chill people? How's it hanging? Hope this, the vibes of this chill sesh are uh, chill enough for you. Sorry I had to... Uh, kill your buzz by interrupting but just got a couple of 
it just I just got a quick vibe check that I want to do. First vibe we're checking is Nikki, our newest junior varsity level Patreon supporter. Thank you, Nikki, for your support and your question. That's the real chill uh, vibe. Also, thank you to everyone else for your questions. Um, y'all really ch- channeled all your energies into our chakras and uh, revitalized our auras. Also want to say that uh, uh, the wavelengths of our vibes are totally in sync with all the other members of our network. Be gay, roll dice, an all queer, all TTRPG actual play, all posi vibe network. Uh, one of the shows on that network is Chosen Ones, which is a Dungeons and Dragons, two for the price of one, a uh, fifth edition podcast. It's a collaboration between several artists and storytellers. But don't take my chill word for it. Why don't you vibe along to this uh, trailer? Well, hello there, young adventurer. I've been waiting for you. We've met before, don't you remember? Ah, no worries. I'm quite forgetful myself. The other sparks are waiting for you. Leviath, Shuey, Theo, and Brandy. They've had such wonderful tales to tell. A truly marvelous story. I wonder which one of them will be the chosen one. Perhaps none of them will. Perhaps it will be you. The morning's coming soon. I have to leave now. Will I see you again? I sure hope so. Is a story really a story if there's no one to tell it to? Well, goodbye for now, adventurer. Chosen Ones is a visual novel-style D&D podcast on YouTube that releases every Thursday at 1pm CST. Find us on Twitter at Chosen Ones D&D. Come adventure with us. Some James questions. Ooh, I love him. Beep, 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 beep. Bow! Get him. <laughs> James, I got a question for you. Why are you so great? Oh, uh, I don't know, because I'm surrounded by great people who keep me great. Wow. Glad to hear that. Okay, so. 24-hour job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron from Super Idols on our network, BK Roll Dice. Hello, Aaron. Uh, Listen hi. to Oh, this! It, I almost said hello, Aaron. Listen to Super Idols, which sounded like I was going to tell Aaron to listen to Super Idols, which would be foolish. Um, but everyone else should listen to Super Idols because it's yeah. a very good podcast. Very magical girl, good transformations, good times. I good like transformations. It. I hate when a show has bad transformations. I do too. <laughs> I do too. Um, but I'm a big Sailor Moon fan, so you got to have a good transition. Um, so when old and young Zeke have overlapping dialogue, is that all? D- <laughs> 
Bess is shaking her head right now because y'all don't even. We're going to have a sidebar about this. Sometimes. We'll have, I think that we owe the crowd an explanation of how we feel (laughs) about that. So we'll get into that in a second. But when old and young Zeke have overlapping dialogue, is that all done live in session and edited together later? Or does James also record pickups for that thing in post? In general, what was James' approach when having the Zeeks talk to each other in sessions? I don't think any of it was done in post. The Mm -hmm. only thing that would be done in post is uh, we would, or Phil would, um, like, uh, shift one of them, usually old Zeke, over a couple of seconds to give them, like, an actual overlap Mm -hmm. that obviously I can't physically do in person. I, honestly, more frequently than I did that, I would have to edit them to be further apart because you were like run, like tripping over your own legs, r- like <laughs> running uh, too fast. Yeah. Well, I so I I did uh, f- forensics in high school, uh, competitive. Uh, Can you tell speech. people what that is? Because competitive the blood. Yeah. No, not looking at the blood. I I have <laughs> I was in forensics. Forensics. Oh yeah, because that's I was what I in forensics of... for several years. I have coached it for several years. No one's ever been able to explain to me why it's called forensics and why it has nothing to do with looking at blood. Well, it's but confusing, and I don't like it. Competitive speech. Uh. Uh. Yeah. And so. I did events on the what's called the interp side of forensics, where it's usually just one person performing uh, a sele- like a selection from a script, and you don't have any props, you don't have any costumes. You might have a chair or a stool, and you got to play all of the characters. It's a very strange thing to watch. It started out as just people like literally reading lines from scripts and being judged on who read them the best, and it has evolved into a, just a truly strange and beautiful art form that I love and am very passionate about. But uh, yeah, so like I spent a lot of years in high school and after high school coaching people on how to. Uh, switch back and forth between characters very, very quickly by themselves and play two characters. It's so hard. It's very mm-hmm. difficult. Because I have to do that occasionally with NPCs. Uh, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like that thing you said, Phil, about like tripping over my own dialogue, that came about as just I'm playing two of the same character. So like a lot of the time, obviously, their train of thought's going to be the same yeah. and like they're going to be completely completing each other's sentences. Uh-huh. Ah, um, ah, he's back. <laughs> no. Get, the broom. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. Go back to the trunk. <laughs> uh, touching back to that planning, those planning, do we plan the show questions? James, did, did I come up to you and say, hey, James, do you want to have Zeke have two heads? No. <laughs> In fact, I consider old Zeke to be a bit of a failure on my part this season because one Ooh, of my no. one of my stated goals this season was to not have so much focus on Zeke and let him kind of fade into the background. And, oh my and instead, God. we got twice the amount of Zeke as we usually do. But we're the ones that got the shit because we're going to end the world. <laughs> yeah, but you... Oh. It's not we my do it. fault. I it, didn't do well, it. It was the result of a role. It was consequences. You it did was a bad role. A bad role. You I did not smeared at, time goo on yourself, and so I had to at decide. No point did I say, "Hey, I want there to be another one of me this season. <laughs> no I want to play this that. character twice." It was I impressive. Didn't want that. That's but upsetting. I didn't. Yeah, but it was, was given to me, and I I still try to do a hundred percent with the material I am given. You did. You did. You did. You did a it great was very job. impressive. That's why we are mad because it was too. Much Your Zeke. characterization was, was really good. <laughs> oh my god, too felt too Zeke. real. Yeah, and like when we're recording, you obviously like 
what you hear through your ears when you hear us speak is edited. So you're not here with us in the room and listening to Zeke. James have a conversation with James. He can go on for a really Zeke, long time. Yes, Zeke versus Zeke. Zeke v. Zeke. Zeke v. Zeke. Yeah, because when you can just yes and yourself, oh my it, God, it, it never, never has That's to like end. That's all you've ever wanted. the whole process. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, here's some more Zeke questions. Wait, real quick. I do want to say the one thing I did say to you ahead of time, James, is the day re- we recorded, mm-hmm. you said uh, a few hours before we sat down to record, I did say to you, hey, uh, take a minute what... to think about what middle-aged Zeke might sound like. Yeah. And action. I assumed I was just going to be middle-aged. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, just two of them. No. Yep. Um, so Malls asked, um, you've got another PC. How has it been different playing old versus, uh, old versus young Zeke? Did you decide if old Zeke was really from the future or not early on or later in this arc? So like, when did you decide that? Uh, I think it became, I, I deliberately kept it vague to everyone, including myself yeah. <laughs> for a really long time. I, I, it became concrete when... At one point, I leveled up, and I picked a move from another playbook that was called um, Dark Past, and I don't remember which Hunter playbook that it's from. It might be the Expert. It doesn't matter. And uh, but Dark Past is like uh, you're a character who has um, like a long history with monsters, so you roll. And you like search your memories of like, oh, have I fought this monster before? And I thought a really fun way to tweak that would be because I we had introduced this idea of like both of their brains being scrambled mm-hmm. and their memories being all mixed up of dark future, where Zeke gets these like looper-esque flashes of the future timeline he's from, and like he's seen when we dealt with this monster, what we did before. So I think that was when I said it in stone that like, yes, old Zeke actually is a version of Zeke from the future. Mm -hmm. Just one that's been very broken by the process of being grafted onto his younger self. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if we'll ever see him again. Randy Jackson. Randy Jackson. I feel like he'd send us postcards. Oh yeah. (laughs) I don't want them. We should find like a... Like a murder she wrote TTRPG and do a one-off about Randy Jackson solving murders in On a his small island. town. Yes. Yeah, and his yes, tropical Randy island. Jackson. Yep. Patreon content. Maybe Paul Abdul. <laughs> <laughs> What's another Simon Codwell Codwell? Cowell. Hello, I'm Simon Codwell. <laughs> I'm Simon Cobwob. This is the X Files. Listen, show. don't make fun of me because I don't know about American Idol judges. Boy, do you I. do know about him. You just said his name weird for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyways, moving on. We're going to talk about Penny. Mm. Mm. Um, another malls question. Do, 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 do. Penny is having more violet problems. Yes, she is. Boy, it's, is she. The, um, it's scary, the impending doom and the potential consequence. Do you think her growing power will further complicate the threat she's getting? Um, maybe, yes. Like the threat from Violet? Yeah, I think that's... Um, I don't know. I don't know how to predict that because I feel like Penny is so scared to mess anything up ever again and that's why she was so hesitant to use her powers in the first few arcs anyway that especially with Violet, like she does feel like she owes her something and she's a little too soft to like push back too hard. But also like Penny does have a breaking point and she hasn't really um, 
discover well she kind of has she threw that helicopter but yep. like on a, on a for like a person that she knows like she she's kept it pretty mild so i feel like she would have to be pushed pretty hard but if she was i think it would be bad i've been yeah. trying i know listen if i have the option to run away i'm gonna run away <laughs> i'm a big baby well that's what i'm scared it's hard to know when to fight and when to stay because you yeah you don't want to end up dead well i don't want to kill everybody and, and I, right now yeah mm-hmm. it will happen yeah, in the apocalypse. But Violet, yeah, I feel like Violet is. Uh, She's so scary. She's a wild card. You. Yeah, she and- is. I didn't know. Well, like so, part of the spooky is that you kind of have this this thing that happened. So I had a little bit of say in what happened, but I didn't know how or why. Or I gave her a name because I like the name, but like I didn't know anything about her. So Phil just kind of pulled that out, and so I didn't know that she was going to be that scary. I'm she, still scared. Yeah, she's got something. Zeke's up very her scared of Violet. Yeah, yeah, you're having a <laughs> Zeke's having a rough one. I didn't mean to make her that scary. Well, no one likes her. I, Zeke's just scary, <laughs> not because of anything she's done. He's just scary of the implication that she's here. Yeah, she's I like would the be opposite of Penny too. Like she's so sure of everything she says, and Penny's not sure of anything she's ever said in her life. Mm-hmm. But she like bulldozes over Penny. But it's a very uh, uh, Jennifer and needy relationship. Damn it, I'm needy. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. But I do think that's probably, it, it was a little bit of a, um unbalanced friendship that they mm, had, yeah. mm-hmm. for sure. I think Violet probably saw Penny as someone who, like, um was not a threat to her mm-hmm. and, like, needed her more than, you know, she needed her. And, and she could just word vomit at Penny mm-hmm. and she would just go along with things. Yep. But I also think in a way that it could have been anybody. I yeah. think it was, like, she inevitable. She just happened to pick the psychic girl. Yeah. Yeah, like, I... I don't know. Can't control my body. One of my biggest fears, besides being on stage and forgetting lines and tornadoes and spiders, is accident. <laughs> oh, I'm on stage and I forgot tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> is accidentally murdering somebody and then having to cover it up and keep it a secret. Um, yeah. And so, like that situation seems so stressful. And there's also a really good TV show about that on HBO. It's a lot easier when you have a lightning gun that can just boop. Yeah, can you just zap the body <laughs> away. Cremation ray. Uh, and you made that decision all on your own. Yeah, that I was did. All you. I'd like the world to know that. Yeah, I did. Zeke told the world that. Yeah, you just you waited a little while, and so I felt um, extra I couldn't like a remember for some reason. You want to take this outside? <laughs> Yeah, Penny's getting pushed. This is her breaking point. Just to not, not to continue to to go back to this point, but even uh, episode three of our first arc, uh, a history of violets, was improvised and determined by roles. Like mm-hmm. we knew that Penny was going. It was a flashback. We knew Penny something bad happened between Penny and her friend. I think that was pretty much it, right? And that mm-hmm. Zeke helped. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was sort of the framework that we had going into it. But other mm-hmm. than that, it. I wasn't even, yeah, I wasn't sure what would trigger her powers. I wasn't sure what, uh, how she would control objects in what way. Like, I just kind of, I was winging it. Were there a couple bad rolls in there? I can't remember. Always, there. probably. Yeah. I think I rolled bad. I think was the bad roll. Yeah. Because I think you were trying to do something else and you rolled poorly. Because you didn't want to hurt her. Yeah. But then you- I didn't, yeah. Killed her. Yeah. And now she's a ghost. Blame the dice, us. Violet. The dice. <laughs> yeah. Dice did that. this to you. Forgot to tell her that part. <laughs> um, I got some questions for you, Phil. Okay. Um, well, this is actually a joint one for mostly. I love them. <laughs> 420 plays <laughs> it. Uh, for Phil and James, given an episode and editing, how long are the sessions usually? 
so we've we've experimented a little bit with the length of our sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've gone anywhere from like hour and a half sessions all the way up to like a three hour session, That's three what three we and a half hours to do in the beginning. Mm-hmm. That like is three hour sessions. Um, I think that we've all determined that recording a three hour session, which we would then hack into two to two and a half episodes, uh, just sucks. Yep. It sucks all of our energy out. It turns us into puddles of goo. Mm. The content just isn't the content. Jesus fucking Christ. The um, the resulting material isn't as vibrant or fresh or energetic. Yeah. I think we all kind of agreed. So it, because we were editing like two episodes out of every one of those chunks, it would almost create this weird imbalance where we'd have like a really high energy episode <laughs> and then like kind of a dull yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. So we have now gone back to, we record for an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes. Uh, and that gets cut into one episode, which runs between 45 minutes to an hour. Um, James, do you have anything editing? to add to the editing? Nope. Our uh, process. In regards to length. Yeah, our process is, um, I'll go through and process the audio. This is getting probably boring for most of you now, but in case you are interested. Wrap it up. I go through and process the audio, normalize uh, like the levels, um, equalize, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I then edit, do the actual edit the tape and cut the episode down. So occasionally moving scenes around, occasionally ADR is needed, additional recording if uh, somebody drops a line uh, or cracks a beer open while somebody's talking. Um, which just happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that. I was it. Well, yeah, you did it while James was talking. But I thought that was okay like, <laughs> <laughs> because it's a free sound effect. Yeah, you don't even have to add it in. Yeah, yeah. I'll save it for later. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> very occasionally, uh, not very occasionally. I'll, I'll frequently have to uh, if a scene gets moved and no longer has like an intro s- shot set up. I'll go back and record that. Like we open on, we cut to stuff like that, um, and then I pass it over to James, who does. I will listen through. Uh, usually, I'll listen through it once just to listen through it to understand like the general flow of the episode. Then I listen ah. through. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> then I listen through a second time, and I uh, put markers in for everywhere that I think there needs to be. Uh, music and sound effects. So, like anytime Phil says, you hear a blank, or, um, you know, it's anything from car pulling away to like ambient noise if we're in like a jungle scene and I feel like there should be some like animal noise in the background, or if we're in the school or the lab and I feel like there needs to be a crowd of people in the background, I mark for that. Like where the songs should go, what songs they should be. Uh, if there's any horrible monster noises, I mark for those, and then I spend, usually takes me anywhere from like two to six hours, uh, either sourcing or creating, and then placing all of the sound effects in the music. Um, I just want to say that Cliff, R.I.P., his voice was friend. done by Alec? His Our voice friend. was done. Cliff Angere was Alec's Patreon-created uh, NPC, NPC, yeah. who shout out to he, you. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Alec, who uh, paid the fifty dollars to have his character put into the show and, and immediately <laughs> turned into a horrible monster. Um, so, I yeah. knew he would appreciate that. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, Alec and I have been friends for over a decade now. Well, no, close to a decade, I guess. Um, so I just texted him and I just said, like, 
I think it was like when the millipede got shot, I texted him and I was like, can you just send me a recording of you going like, ow? <laughs> and he sent that over and then I cloned it 10 times and time stretched it and pitched it up and down and layered it a million times. Much like what happened to Cliff's physical body. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep, to make uh, the noises for the millipede. The best you... nasty noises. You did some. I was Chanel and I was the horse girl. Yeah. yeah, but James didn't tell me what to say, so I sat in a closet by myself and said a bunch of weird things that I was embarrassed about when I re-listened to them. They were then, all great. But then you couldn't understand it. Yep. Sounds like my middle school experience. <laughs> <laughs> like I was talking when I was a horse girl, I talked about Mary Kay lipstick. I cannot tell you why. Uh-huh. Um, yep. Mary I, Kay. Yes. Um, I just pictured her wearing it for some reason. And I also screamed a lot about not wanting to be turned back into two separate beings because I was so happy the way that I was. I'd never (laughs) been closer to my horse. Like, I really created a life for them. Yep. That's what I appreciate is your dedication. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And then after that process, James sends it back over to me. Yep. I listen through it uh, one more again. Um, Change out maybe one or two things. uh, Just do like kind of a final pass. Uh, and then, yeah. Cool. Do the middle bit, export it, put it online. Bada bing, bada boom. Listen in. Right. An average of one song per week. Yeah. Is a step of the process I left out. James mm-hmm. writes the music. I wrote three for the finale. Just like I, in the epilogue, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, for the epilogue. Yeah. Excuse me. Worth it. It was a good episode. Allison asked, do y'all have creative backgrounds? What kind of project... Uh, sorry, lost it. What kind of project would you start if you were given a budget? Damn. I think we'd all say we want to write it. Uh, well, I can't speak for best, but I know the three of us have talked about writing a television show before. Yes, for the CW. I would, I can't think of anything I would, I actually would care about more. Than I just want to be in it. Yeah. There you go. We can cast you. You'll play a 14 year old. That's me. Yep. <laughs> you always got those 20 somethings <laughs> playing those. High schoolers. But yeah, I would want to do a CW television show if I had unlimited budget. Yep. Warner Brothers, the CW, please hit us up. Yeah. Turn our turn our podcast into a TV show. Oh God. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. please. Please. I would do anything. Or Ian comic book. Summer Hold Holder. Yeah. We cast him as Ian the main. <laughs> I drank your whiskey and I said a Jeff prayer. Lynn. You did not appear. Yeah. If if our if this podcast was a TV show, what would it look like? Would it be live action? Would it be something closer to Venture Brothers? Ooh, ooh. I feel like it could work both ways. I was gonna say live action just because um, Todd in the Book of Pure Evil yeah. is so yeah. like derpy, but I could also see that show being a cartoon too. Yeah, I love that's that's such a good comparison though, and I love the idea of like because Todd in the Todd in the Book I almost said Todd in the Shadows. <laughs> Todd in the Book of Pure Evil uh, did not have a particularly high budget, and I love the goofy way that all of the effects look in that show, and mm-hmm. I feel like that would be very conducive to our show as well. And I would that, say that that's like a sleeper, a big sleeper influence yeah. on this show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Which, um, that's yeah, definitely that's a huge influence. Yeah, I but can see that. Be. I always think in animation, like I, I think like Adult Swim, like Super Jail style, like something real squishy and uh. hyper-violent, <laughs> you yeah. know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a that's interesting. I don't know. I Maybe animation. Yeah, because I like how the Venture Brothers does. Mm-hmm. I could see it like being in Venture Bros style. Yeah, and um, you can like get away with more stuff too. It's easier, like, because then you have to worry about yeah, like CGI stuff or like add like mm-hmm. more. I love a practical effect. Yeah, all that's a lot. I love a good rubber monster though. I sure do. Giant rubber baby. monster and fake blood. Giant puppet. 
Give me 12. Yep. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, we spooky. could go all the way in the other direction and, and say it's like a Garth Marenghi's Dark Place yeah. style. <laughs> Damn, that'd be fun. We got options for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got options. And then as far as creative backgrounds... Um, we are sitting in the presence of two professional actors. Yes. We have been well, paid to act. Y- We've been paid to act. Okay, yes. I'll stop. We were contracted members of an acting collective. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have my bachelor's in theater. I don't. I just, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah Best I, Bess and I did a lot of uh, acting for various theaters in mm-hmm. Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, that's how we met. Yep, that is how we met. And then we both moved to New York, and I went to school there for um, acting. I did an acting program there. And then the world shut down, and I was like, this is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> now we act for you. Yeah. But podcasting is different than anything I've ever done. And I'm allowed to talk as quiet as I want to, and I've never been able to do that on stage. It's the beauty of microphones. <laughs> yeah, because I'm a pretty quiet person in real life, but on stage, you got to use that stage voice. I watched a really interesting... Uh, Cut to me in the editing room, pressing my headphones to my ears and cranking the volume all the way up on the track to try and hear what Bess is saying. <laughs> I know. And I can't be loud. I don't know what the deal is. I watched a really interesting thing once about how uh, the advent of microphones has like changed uh, how like changed acting styles and changed like how people act and how it's given birth to the rise of like whisper acting and like the ex- the biggest example they used was little finger on game of thrones like makes peter, people peter baelish always yeah. talking like you know like oh, lady sansa like i don't think like you couldn't do that before microphones were invented True. because if you were an actor you were on a stage and like people in the back row had to freaking hear you there's a scene about that and singing in the rain yeah so it didn't matter like it didn't matter if uh you know, you were having a quiet personal moment. It still had to be, whoa, is me. That's Yeah, it's hard to do on, it's hard to whisper on stage in front of like hundreds of people. It's very difficult. Yeah. When you do plays, you wear microphones, yeah? Uh, Like Britney Spears style ones? Yes, only. It depends on the venue usually and like the type of show you're doing. Broadway, absolutely. They got the money for it. They got too many people watching. Any big, any kind of big stage musical that I've done, that I've been in had microphones. We were, we were mic'd for Evil Dead. Yes, yes, made my life hard, but yes, Um, that was a small theater. But like in college, rarely maybe for the musicals we were um but for straight shows that we did like in the chapel theater never it's a pretty which small was a, space yeah but it like i feel like sound does not travel very well in there i've only done one show in there and it was me on stage by myself yelling for the entire show so your dream <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you would think <laughs> um what about you may oh god me uh, I don't think I have a creative background at all. No. <laughs> it just flows from you naturally, like the beautiful forest. Forest? Forest. Forest out of which Angela arose. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't have any... Not that would help the podcast. I mean, I used to be an event planner. You used to be in different podcasts. Mm-hmm. I used to be in different... Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, podcast experience. That's true, I have podcast experience. And that was all imp- improvised and... About how much we hated or loved movies, or about the CW. We literally had a podcast about the CW. Uh-huh. That podcast was so much work. It, it was, was so, so much stupid. work. Like, okay, time to sit down and watch eight hours of <laughs> eight different television I know. shows. That's a terrible idea. Why did we do that? I don't know. And I crammed it in like the day before. I think we all Always. did. We were just like, oh my, yeah, I don't know why we did that. And we love the CW, and we got, I, I got burnt out. 
I had to watch Dynasty. I and then yeah, you fell off board, so I had to watch it by myself. But yeah, I, I will say that I I think you I think it's true for all of you. Uh, you I think you're a tremendous improviser. Mm-hmm. I think you're really good on the show. I think that uh, you in particular may are so good at reacting in a very real way uh, in the yeah. moment. Um, Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think that's just because Angela is so close to me, so I'm reacting how I would react. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. I, all three of you, I think, are and obviously I'm not biased at all. This is just my objective opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's objectively yeah. correct. Uh-huh. I think you're all <laughs> tremendous. Honestly, um, it's easy. I love to... I, my favorite thing of this podcast is when you three, just like Penny, Zeke, and Angela, are just like um, riffing, mm-hmm. and I just get to sit here and listen to it. It's so fucking fun. Mm-hmm. And when I edit it, I just do the same thing again because I don't cut it at all. Mm-hmm. We all just have such like distinct isms yeah. that come out, but they like work in the rhythm together. Yeah, yep. it's so weird to think about like the first episode, not knowing what to expect. I mean, not knowing like how to connect our characters and everything. And then after we're like, we're in a groove now. Like we, you know, and there's like we never have to be like, oh, uh, okay, what scene are we gonna do now? It's like we just have we have stuff to do and things to talk about with each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's easy. I feel like it's gotten easy. Um. What about oh, you? me? Yeah, you. Oh, wow, you didn't even let me. Like, I was like, <laughs> Who, the words me? were leaving my mouth. <laughs> Philip, what is your creative background? I I consider myself, first and foremost, a writer. Uh, Tell us what you've written. I So I've had a few short horror stories published in anthologies. Um, I've, <laughs> I've written several drafts of unfinished novels. Um but uh that are heavily sci-fi yeah very sci-fi and horror um and performing like i did it like james i did forensics in high school but i didn't i didn't pursue it at all after that um so yeah that's it like it's it's been a, you were in a play i was in a play <laughs> i was in a, few, a play you were in a few good men i took a uh i took a stage combat class once that was they're so that fun. was so fucking so fun, fun. Those are i love the best stage classes. combat um, not very good at it, but oh, I love it. It's my favorite. And honestly, uh, the the my journey with GMing tabletop RPGs has been one of like becoming less of a writer. When I first started D, uh, DMing the D and D campaign with my uh, friends, that is still ongoing. I, I wrote everything out and did these like highly crafted like heist arcs and um, space battles and like pages and pages of backstory and like all of this stuff and now I don't even prep for D&D anymore I just show up do you think that changed when you started playing Monster of the Week explicitly yeah yeah, because you can't you can't prep for this this game you 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 uh, like I said before like it would just be foolish to mm-hmm. because it's supposed to be collaborative and once I allowed myself to let go of that control it was so freeing um there's even stuff Monster of the Week wants you to do that, like, I I didn't do in my prep. Like, it wants you to, like, assign locations mm-hmm. with, like, specific names and write all of that out. And, like, well, why? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to make up a whole location with a backstory and then maybe not have anyone even go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's too much. That's a lot of work. I, the, the location mechanics can be cool um, because you can prep specific moves for a location, which I've absolutely done. Mm. And also Monster of the Week has, like, it assigns monsters, bystanders, uh, 
which is what NPCs are actually called. It's their bystanders. Yeah. Um, and locations all have different types with the different behaviors. And I think that I find that personally useful because it just gives me a clear one sentence idea of what a space is or what a person is or what a monster is. And then that's enough to just improvise out of. So like every NPC in this show has it. I have a page where I've assigned them a monster of the week bystander type. Every location has a location type. Um, I might never think about it again, but it can spark the old idea juices flowing. Do you go back and do that retroactively if we make up a place on the spot? Like if we, like when we decided to go to a bagel shop and make up a bagel shop mm -hmm. on the spot, or That's when we sesame. meet a character like Grud Fudrucker who <laughs> was not planned, like do you go back and add those for them if they stick around? If they stick around, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have a, I have a running list of uh, NPCs in Scrivener um, with physical attributes, um, what their motivations are, what's going on with them, possible story hooks for them. Because what I'll do is, while I don't prep or write that much, I will have like a few story hooks just floating around my head or in my notes that I can plug in if it comes up uh, as we're playing. Um, so yeah, I do that. I don't do it for most of the locations. I only do it if, if, if I think it's going to be a location that will uh, have like some sort of combat or confrontation or something in it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do it for the bagel shop necessarily. Right. Um, yeah. Well, talking about NPCs, you have a couple of NPC questions. Um, Nikki, one of our newest patrons. Junior varsity level patron, Nikki. Woo woo. Um, one of my favorite parts about Chillhaven is how wild and diverse the NPCs are. Hopefully this hasn't been asked yet, but what is everyone's favorite NPC? Ooh. Could have changed, even if it's been asked in, in previous true. chill sessions. Mm -hmm. Could have changed. I will let you all answer first. Florence Beauregard is my favorite NPC, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I love her. I'm so happy with how her arc played out. Like, speaking of not planning things, yeah. like... Flo has a tendency as a character, by which I mean I have a tendency when playing Flo to just make declarations about stuff <laughs> um, that I then either have to edit out because it would imply things about our world that are untenable. Like I had dinner with Sasquatch. Yeah, that got cut. <laughs> but but also uh, she's she can like leave these little hints about things. Um, like four episodes in, I just said. There's no witches anymore. And then those little seeds I can like pick up on as a as a GM later and develop into bigger story. And then it all feels very planned out and connected. And I think with flow, like that just went gangbusters this arc. Like yeah. everything about what it, what happened to flow, what happened with the all and flow's relationship, I think ended up to me anyway, feeling very co like concrete, like written story arcy. Yeah. Um so yeah, she's she's a character with a lot of possibilities. Very true. Bess? Hmm. I feel like right now my favorite is Vesper. <laughs> um, just because we haven't we're starting to interact with them more. And so I feel like I'm seeing the potential of the good or the bad yeah. that could come from being around them more. A lot of bad just due to their like family. Uh, business, but they're just so different than everyone else. Like Penny's not very confident, but she is a bit of a people pleaser. And for whatever reason, she cannot get on Vesper's good side, mm -hmm. and she will keep trying <laughs> until she dies. Well, Vesper did make Angela and Penny that yeah. chronoton detector, mm -hmm. and 
So, yeah, I I like Vesper in the mix. Yeah, and they're I mean, they're good. They're they're a real person. Mm-hmm. Like I I feel like they're I can easily easily picture them every time we're having a scene just standing in the corner with their arms crossed judging all of us. Yes. And I really appreciate that energy. Yeah. Vesper has had a very pronounced but subtle uh, emotional arc. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm really happy with how that's ha- that's turned out too. It's because I didn't, the temptation is was so hard to just like shove Vesper into y'all's group because mm-hmm. that's sort of like how those character arcs go in shows like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vesper is always kind of pushing back against me when I, you know, like that impulse in me, like, because they're not really there. It wouldn't be true to them to try to push it too fast, but mm-hmm. it, it has happened so subtly. Um, and like looking at Vesper where they are now and where they were in episode one, where they showed up in the very first episode. <laughs> oh my God. Mm-hmm. They've, we... they've changed a lot and their relationship to y'all has changed a lot. And yeah. I've said this before and I'll say it again, like Vesper is as close to teenage me as the three main characters are to teenage y'all. Yeah. yeah. Um, or me right Honestly, now. I've become a penny. I wasn't a penny before. <laughs> yeah, because we started this in the middle of having a year of not leaving the house in our first recording. I don't know if it was day or it was night because it didn't matter to my brain. I was a mess, so that's just what came out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like teenage me. Bubbly. Bubbly, try hard, um, much more sure of herself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say Angela's like me now, but. Who's my favorite NPC? I don't. It might be Sophia. Oh, we love Sophia. I love, love Sophia. Sophia. Yeah, Sophia's great. I love writing for her every time I have to write the outro to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Her voice is a fun one. Yeah. By her voice, I I mean literally the voice is fun. But I mean like how she speaks and communicates mm-hmm. is, is really fun. Mm-hmm. I really like her a lot. Like I want a Sophia tattoo. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't I really said yeah. I did. Uh, I unfortunately, I've drawn Sophia. I got to put that online. She's cute. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that after we uh, post this. Yeah. No, she looks good. I love her. Um, My favorite NPC that I would be devastated if they were ripped from our presence is Heck. Baby. Yeah. Little baby. I, I, we love Heck. I yeah. love Heck. We He's all so love nice. Heck. Yeah. I feel like without Heck... I feel like there'd be something really missing. Mm-hmm. And I think we all try so hard to protect Heck and keep him around. But like if you kill Heck, like remember when we thought Heck was dead for like one second when the roof collapsed and yeah. stuff? I'm not the one who rolls the dice. <gasps> Y'all will kill Heck. You you don't have to make him dead. We Y'all don't almost have to bring him once. into d- dangerous situations either. That's why like, sometimes Y'all just, like, love dragging home. NPCs into gnarly shit. I want to and going. It's fine. He's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> you were literally riding him around for half of this yeah. arc. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, you kept referencing legs. Ratatouille. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. We love Heck, and Heck is precious. Did you think that Heck was going to stick around? Yes. Oh, you knew? Yeah. Because you created Heck for Penny. Uh, I would not have Penny, not Penny specifically. I, I figured that Penny and Zeke would both maybe gravitate towards Heck as a mm-hmm. romantic interest. Um, and in the beginning, old Zeke was attracted to Heck. But I had four, I, I've said this a million times on, well, I guess we've only made three of these, but <laughs> I say, I've said this a lot, but uh, when we started the podcast, I had four NPCs prepared ahead of time, and it was Skater Ghost. <laughs> football robot, um, super scientist nemesis, uh, and cute demon girl. I love Emma. So uh, scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heck. The Heck story has has been a 
really compelling for me. Yeah. We, um, it was funny because there's like a running gag in the first two arcs that Heck kept since, or I guess just in the second arc, that like once Heck found out he was a robot, yeah. he kept being like, so we're going to figure out what's going on with this, right? <laughs> yeah. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then in this arc that it, uh, that kind of got, um, brought to to the front for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of our fault because we said, yeah, Zeke did it. Yep, Zeke Zeke's working on Just it. Just go ask him. Yeah. But it fit in nicely with the whole Dick storyline and mm-hmm. everything. So I love Dick too. Damn. There's yeah. so many good NPCs. Jeff. Jeff. Jeff Lynn. Yeah. I love Jeff. I love Bart. I like I like a lot of them. I love Emma. Mm-hmm. So you do a good job, Phil. Thanks. Mm-hmm. We even love Chanel. R.I.P. Rip. No, Chanel. she's alive. Yeah, oh, yeah she's she is. Okay. Yeah. 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 Everyone but Cliff lived. Yeah, we should Can't wait to see how she's doing. Yeah, we should probably check on her. Yeah, huh? yeah it's funny because like a similar to Vesper and the NPCs or in the PCs, like every single NPC is pulling off of a little bit inside of my brain, right? Just kind of by necessity because like. I'm having to improvise as these people, mm-hmm. uh, which is why if anytime more than two of them get in a room together, my brain just shuts down. <laughs> oh my god, completely. the Because it's like scenes. all these different. Like if you hook me up to an MRI machine, it would be like all the different parts of my brain like lighting up simultaneously and like talking over each other, and it's just it's uh, it's tough. Yeah, we're sorry that that happens. We love all our NPCs. We want them around us all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim and Carlos, we Ooh. kind of let them out, but yeah. then they made it. GameCube party, they enough, so they had enough going on last arc. Yes. They needed last a break. Arc, well, exactly. Tim, Carlos I, is kind of. I needed a break from Carlos, <laughs> Megan, Some and space. Angela. Yeah. Um, I think this will be our last question, um, because we had it, a question about Sophia, right? We did. You want me to talk about that? Yeah, just because we brought her up and yeah. brought her voice up, I think we should. Okay, so this is Aaron asked about Sophia. Um, Philip, can you give us a taste of what your Sophia voice sounds like before you put her text-to-speech lines in? Ignore this if you've done that before, and I just <laughs> forgot, LOL. <laughs> I don't think I've done that before. Um, uh, hello, Zeke. <laughs> yep. Good morning. Good morning. Would you like eggs for breakfast? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Would you like toast for breakfast? Okay, sure, I'll take toast too. Wonderful. I am out of toast. Okay. Wonderful. I am out of eggs. <laughs> Wait, now I'm going too computery with no, it. No, no, I think that's pretty okay. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, I I kind of try to mimic that uh, cadence of like yeah that offbeat cadence. Uh, and then yeah, James actually goes in and replaces it with it's Microsoft Text to Speech 1998. 95. Well, that's where so that's where the yeah, voice is born. originally yeah. from. Yeah, the program I actually use is called uh, Speakonia, mm. which has a number of different voices in there. One of which is female voice number two from the Microsoft 95 suite. We yeah. had to switch Sophia's voice, didn't we? Nope. Or did you found? Okay, I, there used to be a website that I that I did it on, but then the website went down. Okay. So we, James found an app, a program that had that same voice on it. Yeah, same voice. We love a Sophia. All right, final question, followed by a really exciting announcement. Um, so Phil, this is your question from Malls. Um. 
Flo has gone through a lot of changes. How much of that was planned and how much of that was organic? How has it been building this greater world-ending threat? The greater world-ending threat. Oh, is that like the future stuff? I think so. Okay. Um, yes. With mm-hmm. Flo, I would say it's all been pretty organic. Um I would say that I knew as soon as uh, Angela made the deal with Emma, I knew that if Angela broke that ring of salt, Flo was going to get dragged to hell. Uh, I know we cut the rolls on this show almost entirely, but there was not a role to refill the ring of salt or anything like that because to me, that's a very direct consequence. And part of this game is like, you know, if a player does something, you can do it, take a hard move. To me, that's a very hard consequence is um, you made a deal with a demon that if you did this thing, <laughs> she was going to come get something to flow. She was my friend. Obviously her soul. Um, so I knew that if Angela went through with that, that is what would happen to flow. Um, the rest of it, uh, in terms of flow kind of developing as a character, um, came uh, basically just directly from me sitting down and trying to think like what's Flo's deal what makes her tick if the kids weren't here what would she be doing while the while the gang is out doing other stuff what is she doing what's mm-hmm. she up to uh what drives her and um those answers were largely uh nefarious stuff <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah you know she's a 120 year old like meet spiritual medium who every single spiritual medium that's ever actually existed on earth. Uh, spoiler alert. It was a fucking con artist. They're yeah. all con mm-hmm. artists yep. um, in this world. Like magic happens to be real, but I think that carny con artist element is always still there when you're talking about a spiritual medium who yeah. performed on stage. Yep. So that duplicity is sort of built into her as a character. Um, and like you don't get to be her age most people don't live to be 120 uh and most people who do aren't in peak condition mm-hmm. um so like for her to be where she is and still be as vibrant as she is like uh, implies that she has made some choices to keep herself alive obviously right? as we saw at the end of the arc so yeah yeah so, um, well, speaking of flow, yeah, should uh, we talk about our next arc? We should. Um, and we're gonna let James talk about it, and you'll find out why. For real quick, thank you everyone so much for the questions. We really appreciate it. Uh, yes. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. We reappreciate. We we appreciate. We appreciate you. We, we appreciated you, <laughs> and now we're re-upping that appreciation. We yep. really appreciate it. And we'll be doing the drawing for the sticker soon. Um, but yeah, thank you. These were really awesome questions. There was a few that we didn't get to, um, only just because we have to end at some but point. But everyone who sent a question, we because uh, a few folks sent in multiple questions, mm-hmm. we got to every person who sent in a question, we got yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. They were great. Um, and take it away, James. So there's some... I guess the first thing to say is that there's some behind-the-scenes flip-flopping that's going to happen in this next arc. Dun-dun-dun. Um, this next arc is taking us... We're all going to record in flip-flops from now on and stomp around the room the whole time. <laughs> I would never no, I wouldn't. flop. This, this next arc is firmly in the Chillhaven universe, but it is taking us outside of the bounds of the actual town of Chillhaven. 
Um, and it is taking us into a time that is not the current time. What year and, is it, James? And it is a what time period. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a slightly time different period. cast of characters. I'm, uh, this is build up to say that uh, I'm GMing this next arc. <laughs> Ooh, didn't see it coming. Um, and also, Phil and I will be swapping production roles, so I will now be in control of the actual edit of the podcast, while Phil will be taking over his sound design and music. I will not be writing any songs. <laughs> I will be sourcing songs that other people don't have written. Damn, their podcast is going to suck now. Terrific. But yeah, as to the, the uh, specific details of our next arc. The year is 1927. The place is Hollywood, California. The music, jazzy. The alcohol, illegal. The screen, silver. You, uh, The players all find themselves as members of the cast and or crew of a new production from Meyer Brothers Film Studios, A Perilous Evening at Dreadnight Manor. This could be an exciting prospect for more reason than one. The press has been buzzing about this film in anticipated adap adaption of a popular novella. Perhaps this is their first production for Meyer Brothers, the biggest studio in the movie industry. Or perhaps they're excited by the return of leading man Cliff Brockton, returning to the pictures after a seven-year absence following the tragic death of his wife. All this intrigue and more in Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria. Phantasmagoria, that word sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Does it? I guess that's because this arc is going to be starring three characters, two of whom are brand new, but one of whom you might have heard of before, a 23-year-old newcomer to Hollywood named Phantasmagoric Florence Beauregard. Hey! Hey! Whoop, whoop, whoop. A flow-centric Arc. It's the flow arc, baby. Mm -hmm. Flashing back in time and taking a look at Flo's formative years as a spiritual advisor in Hollywood. Yeah, when she, where she, this is it's actually just going to be the the story about the time she stole that coat that she gave to Zeke in season <laughs> two. <laughs> and that's going to be coming out. So by the time you're listening to this, two uh, weeks, no, week. two weeks, two weeks. So next week we will release session zero. For our new arc, uh, exclusively on our Patreon, patreon.com slash high, uh, where we sit around and go through the actual mechanics of our all of our new characters. We'll introduce the two brand new characters played by uh, the incredibly talented and wonderful Megan Stressman and Bess Lawson. Um, and we'll build out those character sheets. Uh, you session zero is not necessary for you to enjoy this arc. So in two weeks, a week after that, uh, the first episode of this arc will be coming out on the main feed. You'll get introductions to the characters and stuff in that like you normally would. But if you want the behind the scenes, crunchy mechanical stuff, uh, you can only get it on the Patreon. That will be next week. Thank you, Phil. Um, what else? Do we have any other announcements to make? I... Don't think so. Well, what about final thoughts for this arc? I'm about as proud of it as I am of any creative thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, fucking tremendous. I think all of you are tremendous. Uh, and yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. You Me do too. incredible work mm -hmm. making us sound tremendous. Yeah, oh, thank you. absolutely. This arc was really, 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 really fun. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah. 
think all our characters went through like tremendous growth, had a lot of wild things happen. But yeah, it was fun. Mm -hmm. I feel like we got to see everyone's heart a little bit more in this Mm -hmm. arc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had some tender, tender scenes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And And we all have dates now. Oh my God. We're all taken. We're all dating someone. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Thus begins the endless cycle of teen drama show uh, relationship and breakup and relationship and breakup and relationship and breakup. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be first? Damn. But yeah. Everyone say uh, throw out one ship. Throw a ship out there that hasn't Ooh. happened yet. Uh, hasn't happened oh, yet. Oh, I know. Best and buzz. Vesper and Zeke, obviously. <laughs> still, still, still. Miles away. Zesper? Uh, what do we call that one? Veek. No, Veek? no uh, Lindigo. 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 Yeah. Hashtag Lindigo. <laughs> yeah, the Lindigo what ship. What do I want to happen? Okay, um, so I don't want this to happen as Penny, but my brain did have this thought one time and I can't let it go that my dad and Zeke's dad <gasps> yep. get together. That's what I was going to say. Because Jeff they yep. are kind of opposites Jart. in a lot of ways. Ugh. And um, I love Zeke's dad, obviously. And he kind of like, he's not the mom I never had, but he has kind of become a parental figure for me and he feeds me. And Sophia feeds me. Yeah, it's just like a very. I feel very comfortable at their house. So Jeff, Jeff does not get Penny, but Jeff absolutely just accepts Penny at face value, and that's all she wants. She doesn't want to have to try to be liked. He's very. It's a quality he shares with, but like Bob from Bob's Burgers. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I might not get it, but like it's fine with me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, are we all going to be related? Like in real life. Bum, bum. Do, 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 no, 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 I didn't mean to do that. I take it back, I take it back, I take it back. <laughs> James, you got one? Oh, man. Um, I want Carlos to be with somebody. I also want he Emma ne- to be he with needs... someone. Carlos, Satan, so. Carlos and Emma is a oh, chaotic that's so ship. Scary. That's like that's... Xander. That's uh, Xander Anya energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. That's I really love true. That. That's really funny. Because you know he would try so hard to please her. Oh my god. He starts god. showing up to school with just like big like 13 ghost style <laughs> torture helmets on. <laughs> I love Anya Brings so Brings her a bouquet much. of flowers really and she like Anya. sets it on Anya. fire once Damn. so then he just keeps bringing her dead flowers. <laughs> I... What's up Zeke? Emma showed me the difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Emma showed me there's no difference between pleasure and pain. <laughs> <laughs> and dragged me to a world where all of my greatest fears and joys are fulfilled at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. That was a good one. Phil? I said, I mean, I was going to say Jeff and Bart. Um, uh, Here's one that's technically possible because uh, one of these characters is a beloved NPC and one of these characters has technically appeared on the show canonically. So I'm going to say Sophia and Bigfoot's ghost. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, I love him. I can't touch him, but I love him. (laughs) Like a... Was it Janet from Good Place? I think I might be a sapiosexual. <laughs> Even <laughs> Sasquasexual. <laughs> Even if I could touch him, I couldn't feel him anyway. <laughs> it's perfect. Well, Sophia. Well, thanks we for coming will... to our chill sesh. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for uh, hosting the chill sesh, May. Of course. Keeping the vibes so chill. Yeah, that's what I'm here for 24-7. And we will see y'all uh, next time. We'll see y'all. It will be 1927's <laughs> favorite decade. <laughs> the 1927s. <laughs> Don't forget to watch 
Bye bye now. Bye. Thanks for stopping by.